Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hi, everybody. Tony Richards here. And today on the program, my special guest is John Robertson. And we're going to be talking about your organization and its cultural characteristics. Are you treating the root causes and are you not distracted by the symptoms we're going to have a great conversation about corporate and organizational culture today then i'm going to have five great quotes to energize your week all ahead here on today's episode of better than before our program today is sponsored by university subaru university subaru homegrown and proud of it there's nothing quite like the love of a good dog At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and I'm excited to have John Robertson here today. He's the founder and president of Fort Log Services. John built his services with a focus on an encouragement-based approach, resolving root causes as opposed to treating crisis and transition in the workplace symptomatically is often the practice with a lot of folks. He's a trusted thinking partner with 30 plus years of assisting individuals and organizations managing all forms of crisis and change. John leverages a value-anchored ethos as a leadership development specialist helping organizations and individuals to define the true norm and thrive. 
Over these past few years, John's gained a lot of extensive and diverse experiences working with indigenous people like First Nations, first responders, small, medium businesses, nonprofits, churches, communities, municipalities, educational facilities, healthcare, families, and EAPs. John's qualifications include conversational IQ, psychological health and safety advisor, ICF coach, resilient leadership, crisis intervention instructor, numerous psychometric tools, certified trauma treatment specialist, certified grief counselor, and a master's and bachelor's degrees are in his repertoire. And I'm very thrilled that John carved out the time to be with us here today. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I'm honored to be here. And I appreciate actually better than before, because I've enjoyed some benefit of listening. So I'm honored to be here. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, Tony. Fantastic. You say a lot of interesting things and coaches <laughs> like to learn from other coaches. So I'm glad that you're here today. And one of the things that I've noticed you say is wellness is more than not being sick. <laughs> and also in your bio, you talk about how you don't treat the symptoms you go to the root cause. Could you kind of expand on that just for our audience? Absolutely. And I'm a self-confessed or whatever I'm supposed to call it. I love chocolate. And Tony, I mean, I don't like it. I love it. And I'll stop at Walmart or some large store and buy a family-sized chocolate bar that my family doesn't actually know I buy. (laughs) And so wellness versus treating illness is if I end up putting on weight, if I end up with sugar levels going out of whack, if I end up all those kinds of things, my blood work, my doctor, so forth, I can do the 30-day, 60-day treatment of the illness, i.e., John, you need to back away from Miss Vicky's chips, crunchets, and chocolate bars, get things back into alignment, But that doesn't mean my head's in the right space to live a healthy lifestyle where I can actually do the other things that I enjoy. Now, I won't speak for the listeners or for you, but when I get stressed or lonely, I call people have called it the halt. The times when we're in those places, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. One of my stress coping is eating and not health foods. So if I'm not treating HALT in a healthy way, wellness way, I can actually end up not doing the other things, baseball, soccer, so forth. Yeah, because you just don't feel like doing it. I mean, that, that anxiety or that hangover feeling just takes you out of doing anything. You know, you actually, that's a perfect word, Tony, that hangover feeling. Because it's not that there's quote unquote something wrong, but... Getting up and going out on ball diamond or hockey rink or whatever we happen to go on is just not on the immediate to-do list. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your just overall thoughts about organizational health these days. What do you see out there currently? Two things I'm hearing and seeing a lot of. First, and it's a chicken and the egg, the symptomatic approach of treating when there are problems. So it's that whatever conflict in the workplace, it doesn't matter what turnover right now, it's called the big resignation. Mm -hmm. All the things that are going on are symptomology because when people are not in a healthy place, engaged, passionate values and appreciated, we can treat, well, okay, why isn't John doing his job? 
and play. Do you remember that fair circus game called Whack-A-Mole? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And we can treat Whack-A-Mole. So number one, organizations tend to react and treat, aka play Whack-A-Mole. But the second thing is, what does healthy look like? What does engaged look like? It's not a program. Now, I'm not commenting about your journey, but most of the people I know have done schooling. Does that mean they grew and learned or got the check mark, aka got the program, but didn't get it? Right. Right. And so in organizations, they can implement a program, but it has a shelf life of about two to five years, and then they're treating more issues. Yeah. One of the things I tell folks all the time when I'm working with them is you have a decision to make here. Do you want to be a performance learner or do you want to be a mastery learner? And a performance learner just learns to pass the test, but a mastery learner learns it from now till forever. And I learned that one of the best mentor, teacher, coach, friend I had, our kids called him grandpa. He didn't finish high school, but he knew how to fix work on anything. Yeah. And so, as you just said, the performance learner, he failed. But when I went into his drive shed shop, and we got the wood stove stoked up in the winter didn't matter what we, I learned how to weld and I learned the hard way. There's a huge difference between welding normally and welding aluminum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's why you as the average individual can't do algebra today. That's right. You learned algebra to pass the algebra test in class, but you didn't master it to use it from then on. Right. I mean, we got all those classes that we passed and we can't do geometry. Well, and I don't know what you're like, but I tend to pull out my calculator on my phone for half the things that I used to do in the back of my head. Oh, absolutely. The other thing that you mentioned, and it's in the bio, but that values anchored ethos. Mm -hmm. And the one question for the growth you called master learner, but the growth, the person who wants to grow and learn is values are always short-term costly for long-term benefit. And one question that every learner, and you will have seen this, Tony, with all of the people that you know are grow forward thinkers, they will say, you know, this sucks. I really need to learn this right now. But for me to be that kind of person down the road or at that point of time, this is important for me to get, know, implement, and practice now. And the question is very simple. If I don't define my values, if you don't define your values, how does a person evaluate decisions when there's no clear values? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they end up going from decision to decision, right? They value you on individual timeframes instead of you as an overall whole person. And so if you think about some of the most successful leaders and successful is way too subjective, I don't like that using that word. But if you look at some of the most successful leaders that you have served, what is it that you would say stands out about them? They had my best interest at heart. And do you hear how immediate that impacts the workplace and the people around us? It's huge. Because selfish people don't ask other people what they think because they don't care. Right. The pandemic is a big subject right now. 
and uh-huh. has been for the last almost two years here coming up in March. And I've thought this for a long time, and I like how you say it, but when people go from event to event to event, right, in their life, they get excited about the birth of the baby, but they don't concentrate on parenting. Huh. Or they get excited about the wedding, but they don't focus on what being married is going to be yeah. like, right? Yeah. Or they go to the funeral, but they haven't really considered what life is going to be like without that person. And yeah. so I like when you say the event is not the real crisis, right? So in the way you put it, the pandemic is not the real thing. It's how you deal with it going forward. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. And what you just described is the textbook between the reactionary symptomology. I got married. We had a kid, whatever, versus the, so standing at the altar saying, I do, walking down the aisle saying, I will, is the difference between symptom and values. Because there's been, I've only been married 34 years. There's a lot of times it's shifting without a clutch. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, that didn't go according to plan. And what's happening by us reacting to the events in the moments is we end up drifting off course because that's how events happen. They drift. And so for human beings like you and I, like, anybody listening. It's hard to be better than before. If I don't know what better looks like, what does it mean to be a great parent? What does it mean to be a great leader? What does it mean to be a great spouse partner? So when something like the, and I believe the great resignation is an event, it's just my opinion. I don't think it's a trend, but in the case of the great resignation or in the case of the pandemic, what should leaders be asking themselves to help them clarify moving forward and get past the event and get more into how we're going to move forward? Well, two things. I'm going to quote an Admiral Jim Stockdale. Stockdale says the optimists were the least likely to survive POW camps. It's called the Stockdale paradox. It's a belief that in the end, we will prevail. However, we have brutal realities to confront before we get there. And with this pandemic, that's exactly what's going on. Whether you call the great resignation, what's happening through this pandemic, I refer to as a hot water tea bag moment. If you ever want to find out what's important to a person or an organization, put them in hot water. What's inside always leaks out. Right. And the great resignation is, and I'm like you, I believe it's an event. I don't believe it's going to be an ongoing saga. However, what is going to leak out is people are not going to trade long-term health, wellness, life satisfaction, whatever we want to call that for pensions and benefits. They are going to look for places where they can use their personalities, use their values, use their passion. They're going to look at how can I best serve people? And that's that hot water tea bag moment. What's leaking out is, okay, what's important here? What's really valuable? And my generation is going to be probably the generation that breaks the social security system when we retire, right? We're the (laughs) pig and the python. I mean, we're the ones that are 10 years or so from now that are probably going to withdraw. But how do generations play into that premise, John? I think, and this is a very 
Coles Notes summary version of it, my understanding. But I think that what's happened with generations is other generations have learned. Okay, so you got the full pension benefits, you got the early retirement, but you're still miserable. Yeah. I'm going to work for toys and trips and do something I love doing. Along the way? Along the way. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for clarifying. Oh, that's okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. Along the way. Secondly, because many of the consequences are not in place of that lifestyle, it allows that short-term thinking. So just to clarify, if I can, so what you're saying is generations like mine and older generations that have gone through the workforce life or whatever, they have a list of things they want to do when they retire. Yes. And people in younger generations have a list of things they want to do now. Actually, you just worded it far better than I did. But well, yes, <laughs> I, I, well, I'm just clarifying to make yep. sure I understand, because I have never heard that before. That makes total sense to me. And when we deny consequences, I'm allowed to have that thinking style. If I'm allowed to boomerang or I'm allowed to share homes or if you and I are roommates, housemates, whatever the term is, then I'm denied the consequence of paying down my mortgage because I can focus on, okay, Tony, you're going to be on your own for the next two weeks. I'm going to never, never land. The other piece that I'm hearing and seeing a lot of is culture, whether we call it connect or disconnect and this pandemic is bringing it out, is cultures around the world are not dealing with some of the stressors that we think may be most important. So in the workplace, if I'm working with somebody who has five or six family members, not their own sibling, spouse, children, in their own house, their values may not be toys and trips. Their values might be okay, we need to put meal on the table. I have two very good friends. Well, they become friends because we work together. They have family in different parts of the world. One third and 25% of their paychecks go back home. That's a very different ethos than it's all about the God called John and me. Yeah, I have a client that does that. Do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah his family's in Africa. One of these, her family's in Africa. There's another one in Mexico. But it's that very different thinking style. So now all these cultures and their associated values are now showing up in the workplace. Oh. And how is remote work playing into that? Well, for some, and I think one of the things we have to be mindful of, solitary confinement was not a reward in the prison system. So if we foolishly think that I'm going to be mentally healthy, relationally healthy on my own, that's kind of short-term thinking. Yeah. But remote work can, and depends on the work environment, can actually increase productivity depending on that person's values and personality. Mm -hmm. I call it nature. If I enjoy task-focused, being at my desk, not being interrupted, then you know what? You might get a better worker if I'm remote. Have you found or have you seen research that shows that our focus is sharper working remotely? I've seen the research that says for certain persona types, whether you call it Myers-Briggs calls it types, there's temperaments, there's true colors, there's all kinds of tools. Yeah. For certain wiring, absolutely. 
but for others, it depends on what else is on their plate. I work out of my condo. My office is here. And I purposefully, when I moved here and I scaled my company down, I purposely wanted an upstairs room that I could transition into. Yeah. Like walking up the stairs is a trigger for me, right? It tells yes. my brain I'm going to work now. Going to work. Yeah. yeah. And I walk downstairs and have lunch and then I walk back up and transition back into work. And I just did that for my own thing. But I'll tell you, I missed the break room. Yes. I miss going down to the break room. If I have 20 minutes between something and going down there and checking in and seeing people and interacting, I miss that. And what is the comment? Even introverts need people and relationships. My nature explains how I'm wired, but it's not an excuse. And your comment about the break rooms, the water cooler, the coffee pot, we all need social interaction. But the other thing that's happening that you just referenced by going up and down the stairs, quote unquote, to your office is many people in a remote work in virtual settings don't build the coffee break times into their schedule. They roll from meeting to meeting versus if you and I met at your office and then I had a different meeting, I would have what I call drive time. There's one woman, she talks about white space. There's another doctor who talks about margins. But in remote work, we have to be very mindful to build that drive time between our meetings, which serves as the old break room water cooler, coffee spot times. Yeah. I got a text on Sunday afternoon from a good friend of mine. who just lives right across the fairway here from me. And he goes, Hey, a couple of people are coming over to watch the chiefs and bills game. Do you want to come by? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, man. I just want to sit around and talk to folks. Yeah. And when our son was at in teacher's college in New Zealand, just as the pandemic broke out, our daughter and son-in-law were living somewhere else. So we all got together and though we couldn't physically be in the same room, we used technology to meet together in the same room. Yeah, that's and good. yeah, no, it's not the same as being in person, but Hey, it was better than not getting together or just a phone call. My mom and dad are almost 80 and I pretty much call them every evening just to check in and they live 300 miles away. And I wish I could teach them zoom. You know, but they're not going to learn it. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, no, no they, I hear you. They're not here. They're not going to participate. As a matter of fact, I found some sausage that my dad wanted that he couldn't find in his local store. And I was going to get it for him. And he's like, oh, if you got to go through that smartphone thing, I don't even want it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think your father and mine must be related. <laughs> I totally get it now. We're running close on time. And I appreciate you carving out the time for this. Before we go, though, I want to ask you about reframing. So as a leader, you're going through the pandemic, you're going through this labor market anomaly. How do you tell yourself a better story in the middle of all this? First things first, when we talk about, and I am not advocating take up smoking. My 11th commandment is not thou shalt start smoking, but right. smokers do three things that leaders, we have to learn. First, they take a break. Second, they do deep breathing exercises. I'm not talking about what they're inhaling, but they do deep breathing exercise. And third, they are with social support. Huh. 
So smoke break principle for leaders. And the second thing is where in the schedule calendar are we being, and I'm going to quote you about accountability, where are we being held accountable for what Stephen Covey calls sharpen the saw time, whether we call it meditation, centering, refocusing, whatever, but those few minutes of the day to say, okay, in two years, five years, how will I measure me? How will I evaluate me? So that refocusing is that accountability piece. It's about being better than before by defining what better looks like. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that is who are the people you're going to put in the boat to help you row there? Very important. Well, it, it, like we've got all kinds of experts and you referenced it when we were chatting about leaders. You have to have thick skin, not your words, but you have to have that thick skin. Some days they must feel like they need to wear Kevlar, <laughs> but there's all kinds of experts on the shore shouting paddle harder or in the stands saying, run this play. Yeah. Swing you bum. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And all the experts in the stands in the Bills and Chiefs games, 100%. Oh, yeah. But if you're so good, why are you not on the field? Yeah. And they all live in the world of should be. (laughs) And the world of should be. And so, therefore, a problem is called relationship management. We have to choose people to be in the boat who are not like us. Got it. That's valuable. And let's be honest, the human body is not made up of all the parts all the same. Exactly. Right. And no part can tell the other part they're not needed. And what happens when the one part of the heart says, yeah, I'm done of this. Thump, 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 thump. I'm done. I've had enough. Well, oh. we got a problem. Yeah. Big problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any of those, what they call vitals, right? Yes. Vital organs. And as a lighthearted, dark humor, and we all know what happens when the sphincter says, yeah, I'm done. I'm closing up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> now we got an event, right? Now we got an event. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, all right. all right. John has just shared some gold with us over the last several minutes. I'm going to ask you these 12 closing questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. Number one, what's the best memory that comes to mind for you? I can give you numerous names, but when I'm having a conversation with somebody and they say, oh, and whether you call it a light switch, that epiphany, that aha, whatever you want me to call that moment, when they, oh, oh, I can do that. I know you can. Yeah. Fantastic. Who's the number one hero in your life? I am so blessed. And the woman is gone right now, but the one that just comes to mind is Elaine. And very, very, very poor people skills, social skills. But man, if you wanted a person in your boat, she would be sitting beside you. And this is exciting. Shut up and paddle. Yeah, good. What's the top value you subscribe to? Service. Who's the most important person in your life? My wife. What's her name? Carolyn. Oh, good. How long? You've been 34 years? 34, 35 coming July. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, What's your favorite thing in the whole world? Helping people see that there is a plan for their life and something they are called to live. What's your favorite food? Is it going to be chocolate? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You kind of (laughs) stole my thunder on that one, buddy. Yes, chocolate. (laughs) Preview of coming attractions about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, Most beautiful place you've ever visited. We've been so blessed. 
There's so many, so many. I haven't seen Grand Canyon, so that would be on my to-do list. But Pacific Coast Highway was incredible, like so many. I'd like to drive that. It was our 25th wedding, and this is called Brownie Points or Brown Nosing, whatever. <laughs> but we flew into Portland, rented a car, flew home from San Diego, and drove the highway for our 25th wedding anniversary. I was at the Grand Canyon in 1976 as a 13 year old, and I thought it was the most magnificent thing I'd ever seen. I've heard that, and that's on our to do list, bucket list, whatever they call it. We did the Alaskan cruise. For our 30th anniversary, highly, highly recommend it. So you can so tell many, it, it's a pretty magnificent memory for me. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure it will be for you when you. Well, I'm looking forward to it and I'm counting on you, Tony. If you could, oh boy, pressure's on. Yeah, pressure's if, on. If you could describe success in one word, what word would it be? I think it would be for me, service. How do you want to be remembered? One of the greatest encouragers while being a thorn in my life. If you could go back and talk to a younger John, what advice would you give him? Honor your passion and wiring. Love it. What's your favorite sound? Water lapping, whether it be on shore or sitting in a boat, listening to it lap up against the side. I don't know if it's lapping, if that's the right word, but I'm with you, man. I love water. Um, And then of course, as you have shared in the last 30 minutes or so, you've learned a ton of lessons, but out Mm -hmm. of all of them, what is the best lesson you've learned? Define success and align people that we can encourage and who will encourage us. I love it. John Robertson, founder, president of Fort Log Services. John, how do people find out more about you? I'm sure they've become interested and intrigued. How do they learn more? Well, the easiest way is go to the website. It's Fort Log, Fort. You got to have a safe place in the frontier and a log is a journal to sail the seas because there's no point going there alone. Fortlog.co. I work with people, colleague, coach, collaborator. So fortlog.co forward slash better than before. And what they can do is email, connect. There's an infograph about that program piece. And I would love to just have that conversation. Okay, fantastic. So you guys need to go there to that link that he just said, and we'll try to put that in our show notes. But you can tell you need to engage with John. He's got a lot to share for your betterment. John, thank you. I'm just glad you're a friend, and I'm glad that you took the time to be with us today. I'm honored that you have share your expertise, and I hope you'll come back sometime. Tony, I'm honored, and I love even the ethos of your statement better than before, and it is my privilege to be part of this, and I, too, hope I can do this again with you. That'd be phenomenal. All right, John. Thank you so much. Everybody, stand by. I've got a little bit more for you coming up here on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. 
Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and I've got five great quotes to energize your week this week before we go. Number one, whatever you're not changing, you are still choosing. Lori Buchanan. I love that one. Quote number two, the ultimate goal is victory. And if you refuse to work as hard as you possibly can toward that aim, or if you do anything that keeps you from achieving that goal, then you are just cheating yourself. Coach Don Shula. Number three, if I'm honest with you, you might not like me for a day or two, but if I lie to you, you're going to hate me forever. Joe Madden. Number four. If you want to build a business like a perpetual motion machine, have a clear set of rules and a clear set of metrics to track how your people are performing against those rules and those metrics. Ray Dalio. And number five, anytime you sincerely want to make a change, the first thing you must do is raise your own standards. Tony Robbins. There are five great quotes, hopefully, that will energize your week. Boy, those are five really good ones. So that's our program today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. We're always proud to be a part of the C-Suite Radio Network of Shows here at Better Than Before. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 You can also come over and join my free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. And special thanks, as always, to super producer Tessa Hall, who makes me sound so good and puts all this together here at Better Than Before. Hey, until we visit again next week for another episode, I'm your host, Tony Richards, and I want to remind you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.